Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. From room to room in the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's wretched souls describe their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on Poe's tale of the horrifying consequences of cheating death, the facts in the case of Monsieur Valdemar. In our last episode, A Predicament, we found ourselves in a conversation with a woman who lost her head when she was sure her time had come. It might send one quite, quite insane! <laughs> Wait! <laughs> Now, Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. This next case is most particular and most disturbing. In fact, you might recall it creating somewhat of a sensation when the facts of the case were first set in print. Well, and why not? Mankind has tried since time immemorial to cheat death through the most uncanny means, and when an individual is found to have staved off the inevitable embrace of Morpheus for days or even weeks, why, attention must be paid. And yet, I wonder, there have been many who found the facts in the case of Monsieur Valdemar to stretch the limits of credulity. I myself find it equally likely that we may all have been duped by a man adept in the art of persuasion. A, a warning before we enter... The gentleman in this cell is quite charming, perhaps a bit overly so. He is by all accounts a master of what was known in its day as mesmerism. You might know it better by its more modern name, hypnosis. I would strongly advise you to avoid his gaze. At all costs, do not look him directly in the eye, particularly not if he should request it of you directly. Of course, this is all a precaution. Medical science has long since refuted the powers of hypnosis. Stare into my eyes, deep, deep into my eyes. Ah, the window to the soul. <laughs> what nonsense. It is absolutely impossible that anything will happen. Highly unlikely, I should say. Well, doubtful at any rate. Yes, well, given his story, it's best not to tempt fate. Hello, my good man. Doctor, how good it is to see you. A sight for sore eyes. And you've brought a visitor, I see. Indeed, indeed. An interested observer of our institution and the progress we've made with my particular system of soothing. Of course. Well, you know I am somewhat a man of science myself. I am happy, as always, to make myself available to your efforts, Doctor. And a hearty welcome to you as well. Guests are always welcome. Uh, but... Here now, you seem a bit ill at ease, wouldn't you say? You know, I might be able to help. Here, why don't you relax and gaze into my eyes? None of that. Thank you very much. But are you certain? I am sure I could remedy what ails our friend if I might lay my eyes on him. 
You are aware of my not insignificant Very skill. Very aware, in- yes. But again, I must insist. Our guest is here to observe and to take in the stories of some of the folks we house here. Your story, I think, would be of great interest. My story? Quite so. A great interest, in fact. It is no wonder that the case of my friend, Monsieur Valdemar, excited discussion. It would have been a miracle if it had not. But even though all concerned tried to keep it from the public eye, still a garbled and horrible account made its way into society. I had become fascinated by the subject of mesmerism, what has more recently become known as hypnotism, as I delved more deeply into my work. It occurred to me that there was no case yet in which a person had been mesmerized at the moment of death. A remarkable admission, wouldn't you say? Quite remarkable, if you would have it so. Yes, quite remarkable. My mind raced with questions. Could a dying man, in fact, be susceptible to mesmeric influence? Was the state impaired or made stronger by the mesmeric trance? For if it were made stronger, what would it mean to the inevitable onset of death? My death be finally arrested once and for all. It was a matter devoutly to be investigated for the good of all humanity. What remained was to find a suitable subject, which I found, fortunately or unfortunately, in the person of my dear friend, Monsieur Ernest Valdemar. A man of prodigious intellect and a well-known author, he had increasingly become worryingly known for his dramatic loss of weight and an overall frailty that caused us all some concern. His nervous temperament had always made him a good subject for mesmeric experiment, and often we engaged in these experiments as entertaining diversions, parley games, if you will. As you are now becoming more aware and coming gradually but certainly out of your slumber, and as I continue to count from one to three, the sound of my voice will draw you toward a full and relaxed wakefulness. One, two, three. You are awake now. Ernest, are you not? Indeed, yes, and fully so. Wonderful. (coughs) You are truly a gifted man. (coughs) Perhaps, my friend, perhaps. But I frustrate myself that I never seem to have you fully under my hypnotic control. If I may be so bold, I I fear your health may be standing in the way of our complete success. (coughs) My health is a subject of fear for many in Harlem these days, dear boy. (coughs) As you are no doubt aware, the physicians have concluded that I am suffering from an advanced case of consumption. (laughs) Tuberculosis, the doctors call it. My days on this planet are numbered. Oh, Ernest, I am so sorry. Nonsense, my good man. I have lived a long and happy life. What is there to regret in that which cannot be avoided? I wonder, Valdemar, whether the subject might be avoided after all. What are you getting at? If we were able to place you in a mesmeric state at the moment that would otherwise be your unfortunate demise, we may be able to stave off the hand of the Reaper. Perhaps for an instant. Perhaps for an age. Remarkable. It is a thought I have been unable to shake off. 
the implications for all humanity, an end to the suffering and indignity of death? I have long searched for a willing partner to walk this unknown path with me, and yet I have been reluctant to bring the matter to your attention for fear of the implications to our friendship. You will dismiss that fear at once, dear boy. (coughs) To think that I might have my final hours put off, or better yet dismissed, with no more than a cool stare and a wave of the hand, in the name of science and all the world, for better or worse, I can imagine no better legacy than to turn our frivolous, mesmeric amusements to the public good. (coughs) The legal implications, Valdemar. And what of them? I am quite alone in the world. There would be none to interfere and none to point their fingers afterwards. I say onward, dear boy, from the parlor to the surgical theater. And so we left the matter, agreeing that if an exact calculation could be made of the time of Valdemar's death, he would send for me, some twenty-four hours before the period his doctor determined would otherwise mark his demise. Some short time later, I received the following note, which I have been allowed to keep by the good graces of Dr. Mallard, and which I have held these seven months since the unfortunate conclusion of our joint experiment. It was... In Valdemar's inimitable way, direct and to the point. My dear boy, you, you may, may as, as well, well come, come now. The, the doctor, doctor believes that I cannot hold out beyond tomorrow midnight, and I think he has hit the time very, very nearly. Valdemar. Not more than fifteen minutes after having received the letter, I was in the dying man's chamber where he was being attended by a doctor. Though our last encounter had not been more than ten days earlier, he had in that time undergone a fearful transformation. His eyes had not the least trace of luster, and he had become so gaunt that the cheekbones were stretching the skin of his face to a most awful degree. Racked by coughing, his pulse was barely noticeable. And yet, it was clear that his mental faculties were still with him, and he spoke with some degree of physical strength. And when I entered his room, was busy writing in his notebook, propped up by pillows. Doctor, what can you tell me about Monsieur Valdemar's condition? His prognosis is not good, I'm afraid. His left lung is now thoroughly useless, and the right almost equally so. The lobes of the lungs are as inflexible as stone, and incapable of passing air for Monsieur Valdemar. Good Lord. Most curiously, the degeneration has been unusually rapid. A month ago, he showed no such signs. The most significant debilitation has taken place over the past three days alone. Beyond the tuberculosis, it appears that he may also be suffering from an aneurysm of the aorta of the heart, although the degeneration of his organs overall makes it difficult to know for certain. How long has he? I would be surprised if he were to last the night. You have heard of Monsieur Valdemar's wish that I put him into a mesmeric trance to determine if that might provide some respite? I have. There is nothing in science that suggests it will make any difference, of course. And nothing in morality to preclude it, if only to comfort a dying man in his last moments. What are you asking? I am an expert in mesmeric trance, not in medicine. I'd like to have the presence of a doctor during the induction of the trance. If Valdemar's condition should worsen before my work has taken hold... You understand that I see this more as a dying wish... Than as legitimate treatment. I will be taking meticulous notes throughout to protect my own reputation. No matter how you may see it, 
Let us, in the name of all that is holy, move forward with haste. Voldemar, can you hear me? My dear boy, you've come. The doctor has agreed to witness the procedure. For the record, it is your wish to be put into this state of mesmeric trance? Yes, I wish to be mesmerized, although I fear you have put it off for too long. What is the time? Not quite eight o'clock. Then let us begin, and let nothing further stand in our way. We will need a controlled environment, an auditory stimulation, which will provide a distraction to his conscious mental faculties. Uh, This metronome should more than suffice. Voldemar, you will comply with my gestures, subdue your conscious mind, and succumb to my influence. Allow yourself to give in to the mesmeric forces. Voldemar, you will give over to me the distractions of your conscious thought and pass into trance. Ah, it is not working fully enough. The patient is already in death agony. If you are to persist, make haste. Valdemar, Valdemar, look deeply into my eyes. I command you to yield to me and open your subconscious self to my influence. His pulse is barely perceptible. Breathing is shallow. Valdemar, you will succumb to my mesmeric influence. I will not allow you to die. I will not allow it. Gaze into my eyes. I can no longer detect a pulse nor any breath. The patient's extremities are icy cold. Valdemar. It was five minutes before eleven in the evening when I finally perceived signs of the mesmeric influence in Valdemar. The glassy stare of the eye was changed for an expression which is never seen except in cases of sleepwalking. With a few rapid lateral passes of my hands over his face, I made his eyelids quiver. And with a few more, I closed them all together. I continued the manipulations vigorously over the length of his body, and with the fullest exertion of the will, I completely stiffened the limbs of the slumberer. The legs were at full length. The head was reposed very slightly elevated. By the time I had accomplished this work, it was fully midnight. Doctor, if you would be so kind, please examine the condition of Monsieur Valdemar. This is truly fascinating. I can no longer detect any signs that would suggest that the patient has expired. To the contrary, he seems to be in an unusually perfect and deep state of trance. It has worked. What has worked remains to be seen. We are in uncharted territory that demands further investigation. We must remain with the patient tonight and mark his condition. I must say, however, that you have managed a feat that modern medicine has suggested is impossible. With modern medicine, doctor, nothing can be impossible any longer. For the moment, however, let us leave Valdemar in peace. We left Monsieur Valdemar entirely undisturbed until about three o'clock in the morning, when the doctor and I approached him and found him in precisely the same condition as that in which we had left him. His pulse was imperceptible. The breathing was gentle. Just a mirror to your lips, dear chap. There we are. Yes, 
Yes, the gentlest breath clouds the glass. His eyes were closed naturally, and the limbs were as rigid and as cold as marble. Still, his general appearance was certainly not that of death. As I approached Monsieur Valdemar, I made a kind of half-effort to influence his right arm to follow my own, gesturing to and fro over his prone body. I had never perfectly succeeded in such experiments with Valdemar before. Now, to my astonishment, his arm feebly followed every direction I assigned it with mine. I determined to hold a few words of conversation with the patient. Monsieur Valdemar, are you asleep? Valdemar, do you sleep? Valdemar. A moment. There is a tremor about the lips. I detect a slight shivering of the body. Wait, did you notice a movement of the eyes? A clear white line escaping the lids? I can scarcely believe my eyes. His lips are moving. Monsieur Valdemar. Are you asleep? Yes. Asleep now. Do not wake me. Let me die so. His limbs are rigid as ever. Do you still feel a pain in the breast, Monsieur Valdemar? No pain. I am dying. Astonishing. There is a pulse nearly absent. I will check his breathing with this mirror. Fog. This man is defying science. You will see again if he will respond to your questioning. Monsieur Valdemar, do you still sleep? While I spoke, there came a marked change over the countenance of Valdemar. His eyes rolled slowly open, the pupils disappearing backwards into the head. The skin became cadaverous, white, and paper-thin. The roundness of his cheeks suddenly went out at once, like a candle snuffed out with a puff of breath. At the same time, the upper lip writhed itself away from the teeth, and the lower jaw fell with an audible jerk, leaving the mouth widely extended, showing in full view the swollen and blackened tongue. Though neither of us present was unaccustomed to deathbed horrors, what we witnessed that night... In the sudden change of Valdemar was so hideous beyond conception that we both shrank back from the bed in abject and unrelenting terror. And then, you will not believe me, and then, just when we had given Valdemar up for dead... A moment. I see some movement in the tongue... The jaws are not moving, but the tongue... Can it be? No, I am not mistaken. It is almost as if... Do I sleep? Yes. No. I have been sleeping. And now... Now I am dead. 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 Good Lord. The mirror, quickly. No... Nothing. No evidence of respiration. Can you find my syringes? I must draw a blood sample. Here you are. We must know more of the patient's condition. Ah, the syringe yields nothing. 
can there be no blood? And yet there is evidence that he is still under a mesmeric trance. You'll note the tongue. The same vibrating movement we saw before. Valdemar, can you hear me? Valdemar. Nothing. Nothing but the awful movement of that hideous tongue. Has he passed on? I do not know. He seems neither alive nor dead. Good lord, what have you done? That afternoon, we called again to see the patient. His condition remained precisely the same. It was evident that, so far, death, or what is usually termed death, had been artificially halted by the mesmeric process. To awaken Monsieur Valdemar from his trance now would be to ensure his death, from which no good could arise. For nearly seven months, we made daily calls at Valdemar's house. At this time, the sleepwalker's condition remained exactly the same. At long last, we finally resolved to make the experiment of awakening him, or attempting to, at any rate. To lift Monsieur Valdemar from his mesmeric trance, I shall make use of the customary passes over his body. Monsieur Valdemar, if you are present, I command you to give over your will to my control. You will roll your eyes back downward and look at me. Roll your eyes from your head and take my gaze. Look deeply into my eyes. Nothing. Wait a moment. It looks as though there may be some movement in the eyeball. What is this? There seems to be some type of moisture around the eye. Monsieur Valdemar... You will look me in the eye. There is some discharge appearing as the eye is lowering in the socket. It is a liquid, sickly yellow. The smell is overwhelming. I've never seen such a heavy discharge of fluid from the eyes. Has there been any change in his trance state? Can you put a question to him? I will try. Monsieur Valdemar, can you explain to us... What are your feelings or wishes now? Hold on a moment. I see some movement in the cheeks. His tongue. It's moving. Flailing. Rolling violently. Something is happening. Something is... For God's sake. Quick. Quick. Put me to sleep. Or quick. Waken me. Quick! I say to you that I am dead. Dead. What do we do? Can you return him to the trance? There is nothing left of his eyes. Then waken him for mercy's sake. We cannot leave him in this state. Mr. Valdemar, you will comply with my demands and wake yourself from the power of the mesmeric trance into which I alone have been able to place you and from which I alone can remove you. What is happening? I command you to abandon your mesmeric state. The room, the room is shaking. Valdemar, you will awaken. I command you to awaken. What is happening to his body?
what took place in that room that night, no human being could ever possibly have been prepared. As I rapidly made the mesmeric passes and demanded his obedience with screams of dead, dead, absolutely bursting from the tongue of my old friend Valdemar, his whole body at once, within the space of a single minute or even less, shrunk, crumbled, absolutely rotted away beneath my hands. Upon the bed, before that whole company, there lay a nearly liquid mass of loathsome, detestable putridity. And there we have it. The awful facts in the case of Monsieur Valdemar. Facts, of course, insofar as they were presented in the newspapers. Dr. Mallard, we've discussed this so many times before. The process was thoroughly documented by Valdemar's attending physician. I myself was nearly drenched in the horrid liquids created by my old friend's decomposed body. Uh, terrible. Yes, about that documentation. As it happens, the papers were unable to verify the doctor's identity as the poor man's physician, and in any event, the doctor himself cannot even be found in any directories nor in Insurance records. And how do you explain the body? Mm-hmm. Well, as for Valdemar himself, the prevailing sentiment now is that the poor man expired in his sleep. With no family to report him missing and friends respecting his privacy, Monsieur Valdemar's body simply deteriorated naturally over time. Our hypnotist friend here, or so police believe, took advantage of the situation to present his version of the facts to tabloids hungry for the latest sensation. He's been placed under my care because he persists in his cracked view of reality. Mallard, always so smug. Professional jealousy? What reason would I have for concocting such a story? For the most obvious reason. Fame. Notoriety. Your name in the news. For as much as you might say otherwise, my good man, you are not a man of science, are you? In fact, you pursued mesmerism, hypnotism, because you lacked the capacity to become a doctor. You are, rather, a classic example of a narcissist. I was there! You fool! Why, I have abilities the likes of which you cannot even imagine! I can hold back death itself with no more than my gaze. I have stared into the abyss and laughed. I've held a man's immortal soul in my bare hands. There is no ailment I cannot cure. And I can do the same for you. Before he becomes too distraught, I think it's best we leave with all due haste. You there! What is your complaint? What is your melody? I can put you right. Come, join me. Look into my eyes. You must distract your conscious faculties and give yourself over to my suggestion. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes! Never a dull moment in our happy home. I must apologize for not telling you all the details before we entered the chamber. In some cases, I find it best to let our children present the facts as they see them, to demonstrate the depths of their aberration. How to treat this man, I admit, is somewhat of a puzzle for now. He is remarkably good at his craft. In an unguarded moment, you might succumb to his powers of persuasion if you take his gaze as he suggests. I have one orderly who still remains firmly convinced he is a chicken. But treat him we must, and treat him we will. My system will eventually help him. Of that, I am convinced. In the meantime, I suggest we move on. 
Our next fascinating case is only steps away. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air and our production of The Facts in the Case of Monsieur Valdemar, adapted for radio by Alex Avistovich. The Facts in the Case of Monsieur Valdemar was directed by Alex Avistovich and produced by Ty Ford with the voices of Jimmy Kinsel, Brian McDonald, Vince Wilson, and Alex Avistovich. Poe Theatre on the Air theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theatre on the Air can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day. Or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together. Together.